Welcome back to She Does Stand Up 2. I'm Matthew Broussard. I'm Laura Sogar, and uh, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. My name is J.P. Buck, and I'm the former supervising producer on Conan. Uh, that's how we met. That is how we met, which uh, means he is also the uh, stand-up comedy booker for Conan. And I would just like to start this out with a, a quick story. Uh, summer, I arrived in L.A. 2014, and this was really the golden era of Conan. These were the most coveted spots. It was the coolest comics. Uh, I wanted it really bad, and I had reached out um, through my agent, through my manager. I knew you were the guy. Uh, I wanted to impress you really bad, and it felt like about two years of, of really working to get on the show. Um, I think I got notes back at one point, um, and... Uh, summer summer 2016, I had just done Roast Battle, I had just done my half hour, and I got an email out of the blue from you saying, would you like to do Conan? And I was uh, thrilled and excited, and I, I said, yes, uh, uh, w what material are you thinking about? And you sent back transcripts yeah. or bullet-pointed notes from six sets of mine that you had seen live. Uh -huh. You had taken notes of the set, which material you thought worked and didn't. I didn't know you were in the crowd for those shows much less taking <laughs> thoughtful notes on my material. It's a level of care uh, from, from I've never seen in the industry. Um, and yeah. I also, and then I said, I'd really like to just open with the CrossFit jokes and then do the gynecology jokes. And your response was, sure, keep it under five. <laughs> that, was, that was the entire review process. And that was, uh, doing Conan was, uh, I think, one of the highest points in my career. Maybe my favorite memory in comedy. It was, uh, I got to do exactly the set I wanted. The crowd was great. The response was very positive. So uh, I think that's uh, an example of what sets you apart as, as a booker and why you're my favorite booker. So, oh, well, yeah. that, mean, that means a lot. I mean, I, I really, my, my, my biggest concern is getting out of the way of stand-ups and trying not to enforce my my what I, the, the material I like the most I really want you guys to do what works for you and have your voice come through I don't want to be a filter and I really did enjoy like I wanted to see as much material from you as possible and that's one a lot of times I ask comics to send me more than the five because if you send me five and there's a joke in there that's either blue or it just isn't that you know gonna work on a late night show where are we we're back to square one go back right. and shoot another set Unless you're Mike Kaplan and you can shoot five sets a night and you're sending me multiple, yes. multiple <laughs> sets. <laughs> he was never a problem turning it around. But I also wanted most comics to send me 10 or so so I could have an op you know opportunity to see a little bit more. And so that, that's why I think my notes were on you were so extensive because there was a lot of material to choose from, which was great. Yeah. I remember one little detail. I did a Gersh, which was my agency showcase, and I, I did a horrible riff up top about being with Daniel Schoenberg at Gersh and... Uh, Shauna Kornberg and uh -huh. Brillstein of just how Jewish the name sounded. <laughs> and I got a note back from that where you said, I don't think this material would work on color. <laughs> <laughs> Which is being very thorough. Very, very thorough. Yeah, and just to be clear, don't bit. do... Yeah. It's not part of my act, just to let you know. Yeah. And that was a, a word that came up because we watched uh, you, you interview Tig about her late night set, or her Conan set, and the word trust, trusting the comics mm -hmm. to do stuff. And, and I think... Which uh, is risky. Let <laughs> tell you risky. that. They'll do yeah. some. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've seen some weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Uh, pushing I, the envelope. I would say they're, they're not every set has gone as I would hope. Right. And that's not, oftentimes it's not on the fault of the comic. Sometimes that's my, you know, mistake and sort of guidance. And I've tried to learn from those. And also sometimes you get just get a, an audience that is not responsive 
Right. Um, and it's tough. Like, I feel so bad, especially in your case, Matt, where you were working on this for, you know, for about two years. Mm -hmm. And then if you get booked on a show that the audience has been in the sun for too long and they're exhausted and they walk in, you don't know what problems they've had outside. This is your one opportunity. And if it if they're a bad audience, it could reflect badly on you. And it really sucks. And I, I, I felt yeah. bad for comics that had worked so hard and come out there and it had not gone well. Like, luckily for you. You 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 did what I would hope most comics were able to do is basically take people whisk people away into a different world for five minutes. Yes, and yeah. have them forget about Conan sitting over there with a celebrity guest on the on the couch. And sometimes you know a lot of the audience comes to see Conan and the big names. They don't know the names of a lot of the comics who are coming on the show, and so you've got to really you've got a little bit of an uphill battle from the get go. But you nailed it. You opened the set. I think was, the way you opened it was probably the best. That I can't think of anyone doing a better job of opening a set. Oh, thank you very much. Look at you go, oh, Matthew. Really nice. The set, uh, the set I pitched to you was just immediately rejected by <laughs> by Fallon and some others because it was. <laughs> and they were like gynecology, hardcore PG thirteen. <laughs> I said vulva seven times. I think we don't yeah, probably yeah yeah yeah. You said vulva a weird amount of times. I it That's was it was truly one of those moments where like I'm doing this on TV. I'm gonna say it more than I usually do. Uh, I, was, I think I usually say it four or five times for the joke, and then that was like let's let's let let's, let's break a record. Let's see how many I can get. You probably do uh, have that record. But I, I would I would say the set I did was somewhat of a risky set. It's not the broadest material. It's, mm -hmm. it's certainly material I tested everywhere I could in every you know every state I went to. But it, it was not a traditional set, and I think. Among Conan sets, that's not even rare. A lot of what sets apart these, and let me just list a couple of my favorites. Uh, Shane Torres, uh, uh, the Guy Fieri yep. bit went very viral. Right. It was five minutes just defending Guy Fieri, mm -hmm. which is a really <laughs> interesting. I mean, that's a hard thing to pitch. I think from a stand-up comedy perspective, that either all works or all doesn't. And yep. Shane, even we were talking about that. Uh, you told Shane, commit. Don't let up. Don't take a turn. You have to stick to Guy Fieri for five or six minutes. Um, and and he built in some firewalls in there of ways to be like, you know, you're not either like address the audience, address the yeah. room. And he had done that set so many times. Yeah, that's where I was able to trust him. I knew that he had seen it go really well. He had seen it probably go off the rails. Yes. I had seen yeah. it live a number of times. And I knew that he had ways of winning the audience back. Right. Uh, and uh, Gary Goldman. Uh, states God. abbreviations. I think it's the best late night set of all time, um, and it's seven minutes just about how they abbreviated the states' names down to two letters. It's a if great you haven't bit. watched it, it's I think just a perfect piece of stand up. Again, a risk mm -hmm. uh, when you're pitching for something like this, a nice show, Letterman, Leno, all of that. You want broader material. It's it, you want things that people in the Midwest, people who aren't well-versed in comedy can understand, I think. Was that like a, a perspective that you specifically went for? You were like, we want to do the sets that aren't going to get on to any of the other. Well, you know, I mean, late. I, okay, well, I'll say where, kind of how this started was uh, I got hired by Conan to do the, uh, to do the booking on, on the Tonight Show. That's right. So basically seven months of booking stand-ups on that show. And so we did sort of try to stay more in the middle um, despite like, I mean, if I listed the comics that were on there, it, it, the, the list is you, you've got, uh, we start with Bill Burr, Al Magical, uh, Louis did a set, Whitney did a set, Dion did a set, like Jeannie Yashray, like there were like a lot of them, Chad Daniels, who had a great set, but they were, they were very relatable. They were more like kind of, 
I don't want to say they were, but yeah, they were more mainstream. What you would expect to seeing on a late night show. It's an act that would work on a cruise. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, maybe I, maybe piss off a few people on the cruise, but yeah, yeah for the most part. Yes, <laughs> a good set. <laughs> but so when we went to Turner, uh, this was so we were off the air January of 2010, uh, and then we come back on the air November of 2010, and I had a conversation with Conan, and I asked him what does he want to see on this show. And he really wanted us to to take risks, yeah. Uh, push the envelope uh, because it's it's no longer the Tonight Show with somebody or Late Night with somebody or the Late Show with somebody. It's Conan, right? And people are watching it for his sense of humor, and so his brand is, you know, it's it's very smart, it's silly. Uh, he's the butt of the jokes. He's a big character, and it's it's sort of. I tried to find ways of making comics number one fit into that world a little bit to survive and like do well, but mm-hmm. at the same time also show to take some big risks. And the first set we did uh, was uh, some people may not remember this one, but it's it because it's gotten overshadowed by some of the others. But John Doerr did the first set on our show. It's we just watched. Our notes, so we <laughs> oh my gosh, we watched yeah a couple. Uh, so because Conan asked me, he's like, "Who's like, who should we do?" And I the the I, I t- explained to him the set that it's going to require us to set up a a, a, a rain basically a, a shower rig. It was going to rain on set. It was going to have thunder and lightning. Uh, he was going to take his shirt off, and there was going to be a penis drawn on his chest. <laughs> a couple things that didn't get through. Uh, John really wanted to have a live bear wander through the stage, uh, but building a the risk. safety restraints between yeah. the audience and, and him, and uh, it was pushing just pushing the envelope. Yeah, I, I believe me. I appreciate any pitch that a comic has, uh, but those were <laughs> some of the things we couldn't do. However, when Conan saw that, I think he really saw like the p- possibilities of what we could, well, what we could do. And so it allowed me to, to just take bigger risks uh, after that. You imagine just being him and being like, I'm going to ask him for a live bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a writer. Um, Send email. <laughs> what was the mood as you were switching from tonight show back to TBS? Was, was there a feeling of defeat at all? No, you know what? I mean, I would say we were really inspired by by Conan. The way he handled the last two weeks over NBC was was pretty phenomenal. I think I I didn't. I mean, I was new to you know to to the crew, and he had a lot of people had been there from day one. Um, so I'd only been there about seven months, and I this was my dream job. If anyone yeah. had asked me back, you know, ten years before that, what what job do you want to have? And I would say I want to book. The Tonight Show, but I wanted to be hosted by Conan O'Brien. Like that was my the fact that they came together. Yeah, because he was my favorite host. <laughs> you a prophet? And that was like the show I grew up on with Carson. Yeah, I, I, uh, no, but, <laughs> but yeah. that's a pretty specific <laughs> scene in the future. It's just yeah, it, it, it just the opportunity presented itself, and so when we left there, when we were leaving, he he set the mood and inspired i think a lot of us to put on the last the greatest two weeks that we could and the last two weeks of the tonight show with conan o'brien is probably some of the most insane and funniest stuff i've seen on late night television ever um a lot of those bits are hard to find yeah that era. <laughs> uh wasting money like wasting the network's money the reoccurring bit we did where i think there was one where there was the <laughs> fossil of a sloth spraying beluga caviar onto a Picasso. <laughs> and there was another one where uh, Bugatti Veyron was dressed up as a mouse. Most expensive car in the world. 1.2 million. There, thank you. W12 uh, engine. Wow. What the hell? Look at that. Car, yeah. Why do uh, you know that? 
because it's the most expensive car in the world. Oh, yeah. what? <laughs> didn't answer my question. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> All right. In, Have you been shopping lately? Rap. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> they're in every rap we, music video, but uh-huh. it's the same one in every rap music video. Uh, I think that's my theory is they just rent the same one. It probably, it's probably colors. the same one we had. Yeah. Is, it, is it blue? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Baby Birdman from uh, yeah, the Cash Money, I think. All right. In his music videos, yeah. Well, we don't have a car. I woke up in that new Bugatti. It's a song. Oh, all yeah, right. Yeah. But sorry, this is turning into no. Uh, yeah, car talk. Yeah, this is turning into cars now. Yeah, sound like Jay Leno in here. So then you switched to TBS, and I imagine the there was so much more freedom when you moved back. That must have been exciting. That was that was very it was very very exciting because he really especially in the the standups that I was working mainly with because I did. I shared guests with my other three co- colleagues and then I got to do the standups and Conan in the beginning I was, I would run a lot of things by him. And then eventually, you know, he trusted me and said, but it's like, okay, go with it. But every once in a while I'd have to check back in and be like, Hey, all right, there's this <laughs> bit where we're going to b- say that we, we booked two comics by mistake. Yeah. We watched that. Oh. And so yeah. he, 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 he heard, he heard, he heard the, the premise, got it. And then he sold it so well like he really committed to the idea that this had been a huge mistake that he doesn't know how it happened but he's (laughs) going to get to the bottom of it he's going to solve this staffing issue that we have like i blew it book two comics but yet also the comics are generous enough they're going to share their time (laughs) and they're going to perform together at the same time in sync like well out of sync but at the same time yes yeah yeah, yeah that's real jokes. Time. So that's John Doerr and Rory Scovel. It's it's I think one of the best examples of what Conan did with stand up. If we remember, with stand-up, we'll they, try to include the link. But yes. it's worth watching. And there was the other set. I maybe even like more with mm-hmm. Rory and uh, uh, Sco- uh, John, the uh, heckler. Yes, where th- I won't spoil too much, but I-, I-, I was very impressed with Richter and Conan's involvement. They they were just as committed to the performance. <laughs> He's carrying the woman around. <laughs> yeah, they hand her off. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> it's mind bending stuff because when you're working, uh, like stand up can be so methodical, mm-hmm. getting these words to work in front of different crowds every night, and when you see that the lid of creativity can be blown off. It, it makes me feel like a fraud. Uh, I'm trying to think of other sets that were very inventive. Vaderot is always very inventive and did a, a very yeah. good physical uh, opening joke. Well, uh, just go back to Tiggs. I mean, that was... Yeah. yeah. I, Tiggs' first performance was was great. I mean, that was so, so much fun because I had wanted to have her on The Tonight Show, but then we... <laughs> things, things ended before we, we had the chance to get her on. So I had contacted her manager and said, well, you know, since that's gone, but we were back on TBS, I'd love to have her on. And she came on, and it probably was the the set that like Conan got the biggest reaction. Like it just, he reacted so positively to it. Mm-hmm. He said, "Get her back next week." He's like, "Get her back on the show next week." Yeah. That's incredible. And so also we, st- stressful to get. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right oh, to shit, get another five minutes. Okay. So I was able to buy her. You know, we we bought off maybe three months. Yeah, uh, I think she was November. Oh, sorry, uh, September, and then her second appearance was in December. And we were on the phone trying to figure out the rest of the set, and she's like telling me this thing about pushing a stool, and I'm like, oh, so this is you're going to be telling the story? She's like, no, no, I'm going to actually, I'm telling you, I'm going to be pushing the stool around for like three minutes, and that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> it worked. And I'm open really with worked. this, and then stool pushing three, <laughs> close it out. Yeah, it it sounds like you have a very back of the room sensibility. You really do. Well, these well, are sets that I mean, comics enjoy. 
I yeah. I mean, and I, human and people <laughs> first humans, that's that's job, but <laughs> that was what set them apart it was because this again 2014 i would check the comedy bureau every day to see the open mics and the shows i could go mm -hmm. hang out at and whenever someone did a conan set it was posted there and we all got jealous so taking a step back you how um how did you get into comedy in the first place like what's your background uh it's like, well, wait, like <laughs> my, my back, I got started. Well, I would say like going, going way back. I was just a huge, I was a huge comedy fan. I, I just really watched as much on HBO as I could Yeah, growing up. And of course this doesn't date as well, but like I was raised at the, like when Bill Cosby himself was on the air and as a child, that was Very my funny. biggest, <laughs> biggest, like I watched that over and over and over again. And I like knew when the colors changed from like red to like, Auburn to purple like I just remember the curtain and everything and I was so mesmerized by somebody sitting in a chair for an hour and a half and keeping the audience's attention yeah uh like telling stories and I got to for my 14th birthday my 14th birthday my parents took me to Rio City Music Hall to see uh see him perform yeah. wow and so I was sitting in the in the like, way 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 back balcony somewhere and he had a joke about rushing home from a date but holding, he had to go to the bathroom, but he didn't want to uh, go on the date. <laughs> so he drops it. Tells a story about all these things that happened. He drops the girl off, gets back, comes back home, and gets to the door. And as soon as he gets to the door, all of a sudden, he yeah. can't make another done. step and done. <laughs> it, just, it makes a huge, huge mess. I think it's the funniest thing in the world because it's poop humor. I'm a kid. <laughs> yeah, you're 14. 14 it's, years it's old. Fair. This is right in my wheelhouse. And so I, at the time, didn't know what this was, but I come up with a tag for it. <laughs> and course no need for this but i'm 14 <laughs> years old i'm wide-eyed i don't know how stand-up works and i want to yell out the tag so he can hear it uh i instead though at the same time i'm very I'm a, i was you know relatively shy kid and i was you know my parents made sure like usually you're you're seen but not heard but by after 30 seconds i get the courage to yell this out so i yell out nice catch thinking that like you know he released himself, but at the same time, the pants caught the stuff. I don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah listen, that's, that's, it's got some logic behind yeah, it. Some logic. Like, yeah, you're 14. But the problem is, it's 30 seconds later. He's already started <laughs> another bit. Uh. <laughs> I'm yelling out, nice catch. He's doing a setup for another story. He stops the show and raises him the city music hall and says, what was that? And I am now so, like, I'm so embarrassed. I shrink down in my chair. People behind my parents are like, I think they were pretty livid. <laughs> Probably like, what are you doing? But the people behind me think it's the funniest thing. And they're like, say it again, it say is, it again, it say it again. Pretty funny. And I refuse to say a word. And so Cosby gets to, gets to a point where it's like, okay, fine. I'll just move on. But he does a bit about how not understanding what someone said to you. Uh -huh. And I thought at the time I inspired this. But of course, a comic who's been doing it for 20, 30 sure, years sure, sure. has something in there for everything. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, that memory for me was like in thinking that like how that's how comedy worked. I was like, someday I would love to work in comedy. But of course, I can't because I didn't I didn't like performing. I was yeah. never felt comfortable on stage. Um, and I never knew those. I always thought the job I always thought I didn't know that the job of a late night booker was actually a real job. I thought that. Right. comics just like called Johnny and were like hey I'm in town do you mind if I just stop by and I thought that's how it worked they just walked on yeah. I never knew there was someone behind but then once I heard that that was a job I was like that's what I wanted to do and so I left I had a, I had a job working in finance for Viacom for about two and a half years was this in wow. New York? in New York yeah mm -hmm. And so you grew up in New York? Mm -hmm. okay. I grew up in, uh, the, in, in Westchester County so sort of doing the commuting yeah. 
And I was doing that job for about two and a half years, uh, kind of trading currencies, funding projects. Oh, yeah. And it, it was it shaping was, the world markets. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but at the same time, <laughs> at the end of the day, like I, I, I would get these cool things that come across your desk as like, a, you know, an analyst here. It's like, oh, you're trading currency for Mission Impossible 2 or for Braveheart or these movies. You're like, wow, but I'm sitting in a cubicle. Yeah. No windows. I'm like just calling people on the phone from banks. And it was so, it was like soul crushing. Yeah. And I had a, an old friend who said, hey, I've got a show that's going to be launching. Uh, they need some people to uh, produce these contestants on this game show. Uh, do you want, and I was like, I didn't even have to hear much about it. I was like, yes, I, I'm going to leave this career. I want to get into TV. I want to find my way into comedy. And I was like, this is the first step. And it turned out to be who wants to be a millionaire. And oh I did that gosh. for about two about two years, uh, like, like two hundred episodes of that show. Wow! Uh, from the beginning, and that was like that was life changing. After that, I just kept trying to find any gig that was closer to comedy, comedy adjacent, until I moved out here in two thousand two. Wow! Yeah, that is like one of those linear paths to your dream. And I've also, ever heard of? Yeah, just you had this goal and you achieved it. That's <laughs> such a rare story. The foresight. Yes. Did you ever get tempted? Like, did you ever try performing yourself? Or, and you know, you were. Besides calling out Cosby. <laughs> yeah, besides that. That's pretty that's big moment, actually. <laughs> Radio City Music. Yeah. Uh, it's all downhill from there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you're like, I perform there. So. I never, I mean, I, I did some, uh, growing up, I did some, like, you know, theater, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. junior high school, whatever, plays, uh, church plays growing up, stuff like that. But I know, I, I never felt super comfortable. So I, I knew that. I was better served trying to like open the door for performers than actually being yeah. a person that's on stage. And so, but I did have, I worked on star search with the Arsenio hall, the reboot in 2002, I think it was. Um, and that we needed to test the structure of the show and the timing of it. So each producer had to basically act as the talent. So I had to come up with like a two and a half minute routine <laughs> and I did it in front of like my, colleagues which oh my I think god was that, worse. Is st- <laughs> <laughs> that is way harder than stand up holy hell <laughs> so how did it go I, I i mean i technically i think for the logistics of the show they made me win uh but <laughs> <Yes>. my <laughs> so my, well <laughs> <laughs> my coordinator who i was going against he had actually done stand up for about like two years so he actually he helped me craft the set and part of my set was inside jokes about the office. Oh, hell yeah! And because oh, I was like, I was just basically just cheap, cheap, you know, I'm a, oh. you know, uh, cheap shots. But then uh, I did do an impression of President Polk, uh, <laughs> James K. Polk, uh, choking on a uh, on, on a on a. Uh, ch- I think he died by like choking on a cherry pit or something. <laughs> I'm trying to wow. remember this, but it was basically I did the I did the <laughs> impression of James throat. K. Polk because there's no recording of his voice. So I was like, I could just get away with the fact that no one knows what this guy sounds like. I did that bit. It was super obscure. I don't think anyone got it, but, and I was nervous as hell the entire time on stage. I was sweating bullets. I was just trying, the the clock was ticking the entire time. That's a very alt bit. A Polk impression. Yeah. Polk That sounds like a good Conan bit. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds like like a Domian would do for four minutes. (laughs) He'd kill. Yeah. That's the, the interesting part about your job is how many people have your job? Five people? can say they're yeah. a, a st- uh, among your other positions mm-hmm. a, a stand-up comedy booker for for a late a, night television yeah. show there's like six of is them? it competitive <laughs> were there a lot of people you had to beat out for that role uh i mean it was early on enough that i i don't i don't i, I honestly don't know i just know that dave rath was the one that recommended me mm-hmm. uh to paul davis and frank smiley because they had been doing it in new york for late for the late show for late night um 
And uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. But I think it also was much more niche than it is now. Like that's this was two thousand nine, mm-hmm. so I think there may have been less opportunities for people to have that background and that experience. Because I'd come from the festival, I've been doing the uh, HBO festivals for a while, and that was sort of the the, the, the last sense. step before uh, I jumped jumped over there. Uh, but now, which is great, I love seeing. There's so many more late night shows doing stand up. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I honestly don't know. This has been, I mean, that part's very interesting. And so now we're in an interesting position where comedy has changed quite a bit. I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on what you're looking for in comics still, and then how you've seen the industry as a whole shift, like since the 2000s. Or do you want to? I'll note one detail Mm -hmm. that I think relates to that. One of the things that was, was really great for me for Conan was TBS does get less viewers than NBC and CBS. So it's considered a smaller audience, but Conan was the first to just stack all of their late night sets on the YouTube page. So yeah. if you opened it, you could just see Ron Funches, Shane Torres, just <laughs> everyone in one big grid. So it was very easy. A thing people would do was just go binge Conan clips and you would get views and, and, and uh, my clip did very well on Reddit and yep. ended up with, I think, more views than it would have on one of the bigger networks was that something you had a part of is getting the clip out online as well as on television. I, I, I mean, I can't take credit for that. Cause we had, the, I, I think early on Conan and Jeff Ross, uh, who's the EP of the show, not Jeffrey Ross, the, the comic, but uh, the two of the, the two of them, I think had the foresight that at the tonight show and at NBC, they had seen that they didn't value YouTube as much, but when we went mm-hmm. to Turner, Turner, was like I think they they got it and they were like yes go go with this post them online post them night of post them the day after whatever uh, and they saw the value in that it they didn't cannibalize the late night street you know the show on the linear network uh, but we had a huge department of people that did handle our social media I think at the last count there's probably there were probably about 30, 35 people that worked in that wow. department only like we had. People that specialized in the you know the, the you know the, the the engineering of the actual websites oh. that we that we built. We had people nice that ran our you know <laughs> the Facebook accounts or the social, the Instagram and like they they were just very savvy and very smart in ways to gain audience uh, audiences for that. So I, I mean I, I was along for the ride and, I, and yeah. it fueled it and it was so great because that was really something that made me happy to hear from comics coming back and being like oh my gosh when you te- when you text me about being on reddit and how it like it hit and i was like that my life yeah was so phenomenal uh yeah. to hear that it wasn't just one and done it wasn't just like oh if you missed it that night you're not going to see it again right and uh, goldman was the the state's abbreviations the facebook post mm-hmm. was what took off uh, it was shared to me by so many people something tens of millions of views tens of thousands of shares yeah and and i i don't think the broadcast that night came close to those numbers. I would, I, I would agree. I think yes. you're right. <laughs> so now there's, there's, yeah, there is like what we're saying. There's a big shift in, in putting out your own stand up and, and a lot of things being on Instagram, on YouTube, um, and and creating your own content and this this whole new, you know, outside of TV, just social media. Uh, do you have any advice or any any predictions for what that means for stand up comedians? Well, I think that we're seeing there's a you know, I, I think there's been these explosions at different points of whether it's been YouTube and then Netflix. And I do think that right now 
I, I've I've talked to enough comics that are like are wanting wanting to shoot their hours, and that are starting to just be just decide to re- to release them independently. Mm-hmm. And if you can get enough promotion around it, like appearing somewhere to plug it, um, that can actually probably make you more money on YouTube than you would get maybe with, uh, say, a streamer. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, there, there's there's it's sort of a double edged sword. It's like, you know, you've had the so many streamers that have built up. They're, they've gotten so huge and they're producing so many specials that sometimes it's hard to like find content. It's yeah, kind of like you can kind of so get true. buried. Whereas like, you know, you, I think the, the HBO, it's the HBO proper still keeps themselves to, um, you know, a few specials a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are going to be appointment viewing. Um, so it's, 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 it's sort of, I feel that if a comic doesn't feel secure and comfortable with, an offer from a streamer, say, then what's what's to hold you back from releasing it on YouTube and building your own channel? Yeah, and I think also there's, I think people are savvy enough. If you get a good enough camera crew and someone, especially audio, is the biggest thing. Like if your audio <laughs> sucks, like it's yeah. going to kill that. People disengage. I don't think people realize how important the audio is for for a stand video special because if as long as you get somebody that you mic the room well. And you do that, and you can find a way to make sure that, that you've paid the camera people well and your tech, your, your crew well. Releasing it on YouTube uh, can be. I mean, Fahim Anwar has a great special out right now. Hat trick. Yes, yeah. it's so good. It's like it, it's shot as a one night at at the comedy store where he's going from room to room to room, and then you see him like walking through and talking to comics. And I think it's such a it it does it does a it really does service to his material, but also at the same time to the craft. Of being a hardworking comic and being out there night after night after night, um, and you know what goes into that. Um, so I think that, I think that's the nice thing is that people can actually take a little bit more. And also, yeah, Fahim, you know, doesn't have to answer to anybody yeah. on that special. It's like you can just post this. You don't have a network giving you notes. That's great. A lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about that I'm seeing linking a lot of the current specials that are getting a lot of attention is it's a little bit more than just stand up. Um, that, that his is kind of this it's a mini documentary about mm-hmm. the comedy store and yeah. about his life uh, Moses Storm's special that you uh, produced that that tells a story it has it's a set piece it's uh, it has visual elements performance art yeah mm-hmm. yeah how do you do, do you think it's important to do something that's more than just 60 minutes of comedy or can that is that still do people still want that I think I think it's I think if you're if you're good at it like I, I would watch Gary Goldman do sixty minutes of comedy. Yes. Yeah. That I want to see. I did love the Great Depression. Like that was phenomenal because it tells the story of what he's gone through, and I think that was so well done. But at the same time, if you, if your material's good enough, you should be able to engage people for sixty minutes. Uh, but at the same time, like some of these comics have, you know, some they've everybody's got different backgrounds. Some are sketch backgrounds. Some have a little bit of improv or they're acting. And so maybe you want to show that a little bit or you have you come from a, a place where you want to go and shoot like, you know, you're, you're the town where you grew up in. Uh, I think there there's a place for all of those. But I would hate to see it all go away to just be like, OK, here's 30 minutes of stand up interspersed with some characters and sketch. And like not everyone should be doing that. So what I'm hearing is that we have what went from a, thir- a 35 person team mm-hmm. <laughs> producing all the background <laughs> to we got to learn some IT. Matthew is what yeah. I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get the audio. Yeah. We got to get, get that. Got to get those uh, <laughs> condenser <laughs> mics. <laughs> whatever they are. Do you feel that um, 
the social media of, about this kind of this inundation of stand-up that's happening right now is changing people's tastes, maybe shortening people's attention spans? Uh, it's a fear of mine. Yes. I mean, I, I keep hearing rumblings of people's talk, you know, people talking about, you know, especially comics, talking about how audiences aren't sticking around for the full hour. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, I guess, like, I'm selling, you know, like, I'm selling my age now, where I'm like, oh, the good old days, we used to sit down and we would watch the hour and you wouldn't get up, you wouldn't, you'd sit on the couch the entire time. But, I mean, as long as you're making good content, hopefully it'll get out there. I mean, does that mean you have to divide it up into like, you know, you know, five, 10 minute chunks or something like that, maybe. Well, I think the difference is that like live, like having someone come see you live Mm -hmm. is the ultimate goal. And when they're out at a live show, no one's leaving, you know, in the middle of a show. Yeah. People in their seats when they're there in the room with you. Yeah. And if they watch your special in two 30 minute chunks, like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, they still might come see you live. At least that seems like what the goal for most people now is, has been. Yes. I even on Instagram, it's like, hey, you saw 90 seconds of my stuff. Now you follow me. Now you see I'm coming to your town. Yeah, and I burned very little material to get you perfect. In, in the right. seat. Yeah, I the, one of the stark differences between like when I started and when Laura started, which mm-hmm. was what 2018. I started mm-hmm. 2011. Is having five. 20- 2019, 2019. Yeah, yeah, late night 2019. Um, having five minutes was such an important thing. Every everywhere you went, that was the thing that the the bookers and the club owners were telling you having that tight five. Yeah, and it was all in the anticipation of a late night set. Now five minutes kind of feels like long form. If I have a five minute set, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure where to put it. It's too long for Instagram. Yeah, um, and it's a little too short for YouTube. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's still a value in that tight five? I. I God, I I hope I really I hope, so, I, I, hope yeah. I hope so. I mean I, you know I, you know, you work in that world for so long. I really enjoy this sort of like like I said earlier. I think just being whisked away for like a five minutes yeah. to live in the brain of somebody. I kind of really do love that. Um, and also I felt like that's that was for me. That was like the sprint. I yeah. always like the way I view stand up is like it's sort of the Olympics. It's like the you know you've got your You've got your, your your 50 meter dash. You've got your your hurdles. You've got your high jump, and I feel like, you know, your five minutes is your short version. Then you've got like a 20 and a 30, and there's different pacings to get to the hour. So I, I, I mean, a minute and a half feels like anytime I watch those clips, I feel like I want more. Mm-hmm. I usually want more. Yeah, it's like um, the appetite. The, the it's little, little advertisement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Five minutes, but, I still feel like I've had like a little bit of a meal. Like yes. an appetite. I mean, I feel maybe I've had like, you know, yeah. one taco. One there's, taco. there's things you can accomplish in five minutes. You can call back. You can create themes. Mm-hmm. You can create little twists and turns and some kind of conclusion. Yeah. It's really fun. It's a really fun length of time to play with. It is very short. When I actually have to do five minutes, now, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how many jokes that is. I don't know if I'll be able to finish. Correctly. You also can't introduce like major topics it feels like in five minutes i'm struggling with this right now where i'm trying to put five minutes together for this like showcase thing i'm doing and i i don't i swam and that's like a big part of my background Mm -hmm. i swam professionally that is a very difficult thing to convey to an audience Mm -hmm. and have them understand what the hell i'm talking about yeah Yeah. but exposition you have to somehow portray it vulnerably and not as a brag Mm -hmm. explain Yeah. yeah and just all of that context around it and it's been like Really hard, really hard shoving that into a five minute set, but you want to because it's like such a big part of my like oh yeah brand or whatever yeah so and that was again the cool thing about the Conan sets was people could 
do that kind of more thoughtful. You could get there a little faster, I felt, with that format. There is, I feel like a thing that the, the Conan sets kind of changed is they kind of popularized, uh, it sounds like a dirty word, but niche comedy. Mm-hmm. Something that's a little more... Well, alt All uh, Yeah, alt is a little... I would say alt, alt. What was alt 10 years ago is mainstream now. And mm-hmm. I think that's always the trend. Um, but do you think about when you book these comics, people who might not work with everyone, but for the 20% of people they work with, it's it's connecting on a level nothing else has ever before. I, I mean, I, I was always. I mean, that was that was my that was my intent is that you could find a way of hearing something in a new way and like really kind of hearing a different how a different mind works. Like you said, Nick Vadrod. Yeah. Like the way his brain works. Like just to be in there for like five minutes is is fascinating, and it's yeah. just it's fun. It. To see it hit for even if it's a small group, which you know we, we knew being on TBS, you were maybe not going to get the late night you know views that you would have gotten on like an NBC because on NBC there are people that fall asleep on Channel Four or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got captive viewers already. We watch so this to go to bed at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're trying to grab people uh, at you know eleven thirty at night, and so um, what I would f- what I feel like we. You know what we could accomplish is if I could really hit with yeah, like you said, a smaller group, but have them be so passionate about a set and hear about it. That that was fantastic, and I really got excited when stuff would take off. Like, yeah, I mean, God, I'm thinking back to you know, there's there's a set by Mary Mack uh, from Minneapolis, very funny. Who's one of just she's one of the sweetest sweetest comics. And I had been worried that she wouldn't hit for the audience. So I sort of was like in a protective way. Like I didn't book her for a while. And then finally I was like, all right, let's, let's try this. And she was bolder than most comics I had seen come on the mm-hmm. show. She actually did like two riffs where Whoa. she stopped the show. She's basically stopped her material and then called out Conan and Andy and made a joke about them. And I was like, and Jeff Ross looks at me. He's like, "What?" And I'm like, "I that that was the set, but <laughs> all right." Just do and your it thing. killed. She was just. She suddenly became like she was, you know. She had headlined and done thousands upon thousands of show, shows. So she she was she was strong enough. I should have had the faith in her earlier, but the fact that she was able to sort of quickly, quickly within three minutes get so comfortable where she's going to riff halfway through the set. Right. was phenomenal. And then to hear the responses from people that had seen it and been like, that was so cool. Like that, yeah, it, hey, it may not get 10 million views, but for the people that saw it to be like, that was one of the coolest things to see. That is really neat. Didn't Cameron Esposito do something similar? She That was on uh, that was on Ferguson. Ferguson, okay, yep. sorry. Lena was on the couch, I remember that. Okay, yeah. my bad. That out. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. She was great. She did great on her show too, but yeah, no, she did not deconstruct the... The late night. Yeah, experience. it didn't break the fourth yeah. wall. <laughs> what advice do you have to young comics right. who are trying to balance those kind of niche jokes with still having broad appeal? Because that's that's it's such a razor's edge to walk. Yeah, uh, I think it's number one. If you a good opener is huge. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have that first laugh land, it can be very scary. And the second thing is just confidence or fake confidence yeah. in in the material to be like telling people like, no, no, this is really funny. Like yeah, what you always crushes. Yes. Like, like with, with the, the Shane, going back to the Shane Torres said, like he had built in lines here and there 
to save it to show that he was confident in right. what he was doing. So it's it's I mean your opener about yes acknowledging how you yeah. how you look. I had 70 seconds that I knew were just there were solid jokes padding out what I wanted to really get to. Mhm. And they got me there, which was great because I knew it was like, you have to buckle in for the rest of this. It's very tedious. It's expositional. It's got punchlines, but it's like, it takes a certain type to appreciate the etymology of gynecological terms. You're going to hear vulva a lot. (laughs) You know, you got to warm them up. (laughs) Dr. Fallopius, all of those things. And it was, that was the plan. And I think you supported that plan of just a little buffer. Yep. Let them, let them just know you're funny Mm -hmm. real quick before you try something too experimental. Uh, so one of the things that I think it's difficult as a young comic is understanding what to have online. And mm-hmm. oh. there's so many things that are being posted right now where it's like shitty crowd work or it might be a bit that's like pretty new still. Yes. In front How, of a bad crowd. In front of terribly shot. There's obviously people who are doing it well. And like that mm-hmm. kind of content, as much as like, you know, I'm talking in a negative way about it, it sometimes does great on these channels and might actually benefit them in terms of like having build a fan base and stuff like that. But I'm really curious how that's viewed from the flip side from more of like when then you're going and trying to like establish like, how am I going to make this? Like if they've burned material Mm -hmm. doing that or I don't know. You had a (sighs) thing you said once at a panel about uh, Hari Kondabolu Mm -hmm. uh, that he had, you could maybe take the reins on this, but he had, had short clips of his stand-up on his website this before instagram oh god yeah this was 2007 maybe yeah uh that's right okay yeah we were i was working at yeah the aspen the the hbo comedy festivals in aspen and i had seen in the posting for a a festival in seattle and i knew like five of the names on like the comedy side stage and i saw his name and i was like Hari K. Kundabolu, and I was like, I've never heard this name before. It sticks in my head. I need to, at the time, I don't know, ask Jeeves it. Whatever it was, it was Google. But I looked it up, and it brought me to his site was the first result, and I clicked on it, and he had a landing page uh, that had four video windows. And they played small at the time. They weren't full screen. Sure, but like, yeah. I just clicked play on each one, and he had like a minute and a half, because I guess you know, the way technology was back then, it yeah. was all supported. But they were, you know, pretty grainy but like i heard four fantastic bits and so that made me i, I was doing a showcase in san francisco at the punchline and molly schmicky who did a great job of supporting comics doing shows on sundays to showcase these comics i would usually go up there and she'd show me like some of the best comics in san francisco i asked her for one spot and i was like can you reserve one spot for hari because i really think i need to see him in person and that yeah that then he Got he basically got a call back in L.A. and after that, we were Kimmel had asked us if we could offer a comic to promote the festival, and Mulaney was in New York at the time, so the easiest was Hari. He was he was easy to get there, and so we were like, well, him, and that was his late night debut. It was it was like that quick, all that stuff sort of yeah. happened because he had it. It was very easy for me to find right. him and see that he was he was a fantastic comic. And he had that modular. You could probably just build a set out of those mm-hmm. four clips. Yeah. You know, this order. Yeah. Yep. So a debate Laura and I constantly have, and we would love your input on this, is uh, is it too early to post clips? Because I was – Conan was kind of my breakout. That was the first time I really he put He had nothing online. online. When we first I, started – this is I funny. Mm-hmm. This is funny. When we first started dating, we dated long distance. And I knew he did comedy, but I he didn't have anything – 
like he had no credits at that point i'm a pretty good spotter of talent but anyway (laughs) (laughs) um she messaged me she says oh i love your bit about pokemon sculpture yeah i just go on youtube i like was like oh check it out matthew broussard and i find a set of his online and i watch the set and it was great it was you at uh um, no she told me like pokemon set and i freaked out i'm like where is that that's not should be online (laughs) he was like got like mad and i was uh uh-huh records all my NACA sets okay. and posts yeah. it online. Not a great room. It's it's oh, NACA is never good. No, in a room. Don't post NACA sets. Usually, yeah. There's the mic. The crowd isn't mic'd. It's just me far away on a stage. Yes. You can barely hear the crowd. Not that they were laughing much anyway. Uh, and I was. I, I immediately got it taken down. I was very... He freaked out. Meanwhile, I've been talking to this guy for like two months. I'm uh-huh. like, I, listen, I didn't exactly sleuth here. I just looked to be up. special. I wanted I it to be live. Matthew Broussard <laughs> showed up. But I have Comedy. to posting material too quickly or mm-hmm. before it's ready because I always add tags. I always... I think it's about a two-year process to sculpt. A, a, a three-minute joke for me takes at least two years to sculpt to yeah. get it to that level, and there's still some refining after that. Usually, about two years is where it's like that's that's good enough. I think I spent two and a half years on the material I did for for Conan. Uh, there's more of a trend now with younger comics, people under five years, and posting one clip a week of their stand-up. It makes me cringe. But yeah. she's saying it's. I don't know what to, it's working for some I don't people, be and the it's Luddite like who, who who you know. It's a tough. Doesn't see. A, a, yeah, what's route. your thoughts? I, my, my thoughts are, I, I would say this, it's, 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 there's two sides to this. There's the, if you're trying to get followers somewhere on social media, if you're trying to get fans to come out and see you and that's working, great. But at the same time, like I think, like I'm no longer in this role, but like my, when I right. was, if I saw enough like bad sets or if I just saw like the first like minute and a half and you're just bombing, I probably will move on to another comic. And also I may, unfortunately... Be prejudiced against watching that comic again, maybe. I right, mean, I'm sorry right. to say, but sometimes that it can take a while to kind of come back around and be like, you know, what? I need to get that comic another another chance. Yeah, well, that's really a thing that, that that's talked about a lot of being seen too early, mm-hmm. and and the older people are, the more they believe in that typically. But the whole idea is, if they see you when you're too green or you have one rough set, it's going to take more time before it should before they give you another chance. Yeah, and. Ryan Morin, who we've had on, talked about he thinks he's able to he he likes seeing comics before they're ready. So when they when they are ready, do you think there is that prejudice built in mind when you see someone and you still see them as the young comic they were, even though they've developed? Uh, if I can, if I've seen them do well, then I think I can you know forget that because there mm-hmm. there is growth always. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. However, like to leave that set you know lingering online maybe <laughs> isn't the smartest thing because yeah. i may i may think you shot it yesterday yeah <laughs> be like yeah, that's true uh, pull that so, bad boy down you know maybe that's just showing showing my age a little bit but uh no i mean there's always there are plenty of comics who uh, i've seen in the past that i wouldn't have booked but then i saw a new set from and was like yes yeah i mean the one <laughs> the one i think of the first set i was handed when i got to the tonight show was a set by ismo uh yeah. finnish comedian and it had been in Frank Smiley's possession because they went to, I think it was, they'd gone to Finland to shoot a bit for Conan uh, for, for Late Night. And then they had been holding on to this DVD. And he was like, here's this DVD of this comic. It was the only thing that was handed to me. It was Ismo Lekula, actually, was the full name at the time. His full name he used. Uh, and it was a mononym. Yeah. yeah. Like so Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> He's, it just yeah, fits right in there. 
Kanye yay and yeah. <laughs> but he uh so I watched I watched the the DVD and it, it was it was fine. It was good. But it didn't make me go back years later and be like, "Let me see what he's up to." Until I saw I saw a set was sent a set from I think it was Hermosa. I think he was at the uh, yeah, Comedy Magic they love him, Club. Yeah. yeah. He did a set there. Was it the ass yes. set? And that did very well. I was blown away and was like, yes, right away. And I booked him as quickly as I could. Yeah. Um, but like, I didn't go searching him out because I had, I had like, I guess, you know, the notion that their memory of like, oh yeah, that was fine, but nothing too memorable. Now he yeah. was, he was killing and yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say uh, that when I was started pushing for Conan, when I started reaching out about it, I wasn't ready. Uh, I, I believe I got a note from you at some point that was I I didn't always come off as likable when I would <laughs> did I, I said I, something to that and it was whatever it was it was extremely accurate uh-huh. and it was a thing I didn't understand at the time it was like crowds either really like me or they completely hate me mm-hmm. and there was issues with arrogance and status that I learned how to diffuse through I mean through what you saw of how to. If you're not following, Matthew looks like a douchebag. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first time we said douchebag on the air. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Is that right? No, and Volvo. Boy, I got away with a lot. Um, (laughs) But I think in those two years, I was learning quickly because I was very cocky coming out of Houston. When I got to LA, I kind of got, I kind of got my ass handed to me, especially in the alt shows where you couldn't get away with that kind of energy arrogance yes that you you got checked on that and and learned how to really manage that and i think by the time by the time i did conan i did i did feel prepared for it but there there was that two-year period i'm also torn about this just generally when i talk to younger comics i'm like yeah hold back don't push yourself out too Mm -hmm. early but i was impatient i was aggressive it did pay off um so in some ways, that impatience can be a virtue. Is is? Do you agree with that? Do you, do you see people pushing too far the other way? Have you seen someone just be so insistent that it just works out for them? It's 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 funny. There's a I, w- I won't name this comic, but there's a comic who I really I'm just I'm such a fan of. Uh, but our first meeting did not go well. Uh, I, the comic showed me a, basically came up to me at an uh, at like an after event at a festival. And showed me their set on their laptop. Oh Woo! no! And Just read the room. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I, I was I was trying to explain that I couldn't watch the set because it was too loud. Number one, number two, I didn't want to. Yeah, just period. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, however, that persistence uh, was a little bit more muted after that, but it continued. And after that, booked this comic a couple times on Conan. You could say it paid they, off paid off and they were it was fantastic oh, and no. I, I look back i look back <laughs> at, at it like it's such a i have such fond memories of that of that interaction uh but at the same time i wouldn't advise people do that that can absolutely not blow up in your face i well i think women do a poor job with that i yeah, think one thing do. i see among women is they're very afraid to push themselves out even when they're ready laura mm-hmm. i made remember i came home from an open mic one night and i said it was interesting i watched all the whole show and some men did well, some men did poorly. Some mm-hmm. women did well, some women did poorly. But the difference was women seemed prepared. The women who came there had jokes they wanted to work on. Mm-hmm. They didn't pull out their notebook. They're like, yeah, I just wrote that. It was stupid. They at least had a set that they were there to work on. And your response was, yeah, of course they're prepared. They spent four years second-guessing whether they should do comedy before <laughs> they even started. Uh, and I, again, I, it's, it's something I see in you. And, and 
Yeah, I, do you agree that that's a yeah? Trend no, I it? mean, I personally, because I run, I produce a couple shows in New York, and um, New York comics are very thirsty to mm-hmm. get stage time. Yes. fair enough. Yeah, but the sheer volume of outreach from men versus women is it's unbelievable, and how aggressive yeah, they are with it messages. too. Did you get this? Just Did you get this? Yeah. yeah, just rude a lot of the times too. But uh, whatever. Um, so it's really interesting. And then like when there's, it's not that frequent that women will reach out, mm-hmm. frankly, to do the shows. I don't know if that's something, a, a matter of like quantity versus all that. But then there's these girls who I know who want more stage time. So I'm like, well, like, why aren't you reaching out? And then I see myself do the same I thing. I doing that. Yeah. And, and women are, you know, more of a commodity. So there's, that. that's still... I, I, what I'm saying is, I encourage women to be a little more pushy. If if women are listening, yeah. to usually women. May, are well, on I the, guess what if side. was this person who who reached who made you watch the set? Was that a woman? No. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> 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 what if he was like, yes, it was. <laughs> do you have any advice to uh, women looking to to do this that that different that would be different from advice to men? Ah, oh, God. I mean, I I, I don't. <laughs> Eddie, I know it's like it's such a I don't need to go down. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's something. I mean, I look at it just to sort of uh, be completely transparent. It's probably the if I if I had to look do anything differently, I probably would have pursued some female comics more mm-hmm. than I I had. And I think sometimes like when you're in your inbox, if you're getting flooded with a lot of stuff, and this is not yeah. trying to encourage agents or managers to just flood inboxes of the bookers that are working currently. Um, but uh, you should find them at parties yeah. with a laptop. I just I, I feel like yeah, there's there that that's one thing I I I don't know the ratio of men versus women in terms of, of who's factors. doing stand up comedy. Like you know, fifty one percent in in population, but sure. at the same time, like what what's the actual makeup of the stand up community? Is it fifty one forty nine or is it? It's getting better. Forty sixty. Yeah. I feel like it's it's getting it's better. It's definitely improving. Um, and I always tried to reflect what. The I thought the stand-up comedy scene was mm-hmm. as best I could through the filter of alternative comedy and Conan and that sort of stuff. But that one thing I definitely uh, regret is not having enough women on, mm-hmm. on Conan. Like it's it's certainly something that if I had to go back, or if we had a better way of finishing, uh, like we never got to really finish. I felt like the way we wanted to. At, right, at Conan, right. Because the pandemic hit in March. Uh, and then we we're like, okay, we'll we'll go away for a, a few weeks and come right back and we'll yeah. continue. And then I didn't get to have another because the Squire Brothers were the last, I think, in March. Uh, and then after that, we didn't do really any stand up. We did two sets. We tried to portray a stand up online, yeah. Uh, sort of. but yeah, never. Like I think I w- would have hoped we could have. I, I could have maybe made it uh, like a little. You know, certainly do more toward in that last year but we never had that chance and so it's sort of i look back i'm like ah, i didn't get to finish the way i wanted to and number two like that was uh certainly i wish there were not i shouldn't say number two but like i really wish that there were more women uh represented mm-hmm. on, on our show and we're in, if you're a woman listening maybe yeah, don't be afraid to be aggressive yeah it paid off for laptop guy so <laughs> <laughs> if that works maybe consider your strategies and you could you could err on that side yeah um i Something I still struggle with, and I don't ever know will go away, is uh, interacting with uh, people who have power and authority and the ability to improve my life. Uh, gatekeepers are always into, even in this room now, it's still intimidating. I hate uh, that word, by the way. I'm sorry. Gatekeepers. <laughs> the G word. That's the, oh, it's such an arrogant effing word. It you, is. You, you don't like it? No. No. It, it, well, anyone that sees themselves as a gatekeeper should not have that job. 
Yes. Yeah. They are. They, those are the douchebags. Yeah. yeah. Not you, Matthew. They're okay. out there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice of just uh, when you're interacting with someone in a position, if, if, you know, comics interacting with, with you, the, the, you know, you can probably see our nervousness and, and our second guessing mm-hmm. and any advice you have? Uh, I mean, it, try not to <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine them naked. Does that help? <laughs> <laughs> Chill the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel that there's, I've always enjoyed when I can actually relate to a performer off stage and I can just kind of be myself. They can be themselves. I know that's a tough thing, mm-hmm. especially you. some people, I mean, I don't think as highly of myself as I think that sometimes some comics who haven't met me that they just hear my job and they're like, Oh, that's the show I want. So I got to, this guy's yeah. really powerful. It's like, I, th- we're all at the end of the day, real people. And I yeah. hope mm-hmm. that, you know, once we have the first interaction after that, I feel like most of the time, most comics and I, I get along and I really, I mean, I, I'm there trying to help. That's my, my hope. That's the way I always viewed it. Um, so I would, I would hope that anyone that has these jobs can be more approachable. Number one, they should be more approachable. I, I, I think some advice to like some bookers. I, I mean, I know some of them well and some of them I, I've, I've never met, but I would hope that they are a little warmer, a little more open. Mm-hmm. Um, and they realize that their job there is to really, I think a big part of their job is to serve the comics and trying mm-hmm. to get comics, you know, especially unique voices. And that's something that they can have a hand in if they are a little bit more open and not as closed off and trying to, maybe kind of, you know, wave their power around in people's faces. Hopefully. Yeah. I just remember the first time I saw you, I was in a show and someone said, that's JP walking. And it felt like when the emperor star Wars <laughs> has the oh, procession the music, behind him, the music. music was playing oh, in my geez. head. Oh boy. And it's something you can't help. I mean, you know, that the intimidation that surrounds that position and your power, it's just, yeah, it's, and there's there's a lot of that. I'm sure you feel the same way about a lot of people. I still feel that way around a lot of uh, people in New York. Um, yeah. How do you uh, how do you like to divide the venues and the shows you visit? Like, cause you know, Alton oh, yeah. Club. I know those are yeah. dirty words, but do you like to see someone in both rooms? Do you think I, there's more talent for the alt rooms? I or? really do. I love I love seeing how people can play both rooms of both audiences. Cause like you know, everybody always loved going to Meltdown, and Meltdown was a fun show. Not the best. Uh, you know, with Camille and Jonah, like that was, that was just, a, just a supportive room. That was a Wednesday show in L.A. in the back of a comic shop. Yeah. That was also a podcast studio. It would sell out every Wednesday. It was the it was the coolest show I've ever seen. Just just comics that comics like, but killers nonetheless. Um, it spawned a TV show. It became uh, a, a comedy venue, despite yeah. just being a, a smelly, dingy back room. With you know, with, with pillars in the middle, like it was. Just, yeah. There were so many things that were up against not it. Not correct. Like, it, it was yeah. not going to work, but it did. It, it was. Did. Just, so yeah, I love I love seeing people do do rooms like that, and then going to the Improv or you Laugh, know, Factory. Laugh Factory or the Comedy Store and like Hermosa, like Hermosa. I can't tell you how many sets. Oh, God, I mean, I love that club. I love that club. For people who don't know, it's uh, the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. It's it's a unbelievably run club. I will say it treats comics better than any club I've ever seen. You have full menu access. Uh, they give you uh, USBs of your set on video right afterwards. Um, they also feature one magician per show. It's Jay Leno's home club. Um, you do have to be clean there. Every show is a mm-hmm. showcase. You do eight minutes. It's hard to get into because the audience is older. Um, ten, the trend's older, especially for an LA crowd, a little more conservative. So y- you can't 
it's it's a good counterbalance to the alt rooms of Hollywood. Yeah, in, in terms it's, of making stuff work, it really is. And I think that they you know they would do their birthday month uh, every July, mm-hmm. and they'd have like you'd go there and see like. I guess like twenty comics doing five minutes, five minute sets, and they would ding the bell at each. It would like it would have to end on the ding, and and <laughs> so you could sit in there and watch people do these short killer sets. And so I, I, you know, that was that was a great test. If it worked in there, then it would probably work on you know any late night show. So it sounds like you, what you want to see is something interesting mm-hmm. in an alt room, and then see it has the versatility to work in a mainstream room. I, I would, but then sometimes some some of them. I mean, if you look back, may not work. Uh, so the like, first is more important. Yeah, the first, yeah. and I think that's what that's what differentiated Conan of like you look for interesting first, and th- that it's in that order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there are certainly uh, sets that I know would not work in those rooms that yeah. I was like, still, the comedy nerd to me was like getting giddy at the idea of like Ian Abramson putting on a shock collar and allow <sighs> the audience to shock him. Um, that's a great set by I which, forgot about Ian Abramson's Conan set is a, is a masterpiece the, the physical comedy of it the, the props yes. yeah it's, it's all one it basically is it's all one gag but it's such a fun ride yeah and it's something that I think that because what he does is he says that he's trying to tr- test out some new jokes and he wants the audience to you know to tell him yeah. if they work or not and so rather than go with the old fashioned way of actual laughter he's going to put on his dog's shock collar and give the control to one person in the audience and that person will shock him if they don't like the joke <laughs> and, and people ask like was it real yes it was completely real it worked oh my god and and on top of this he he put an iPhone in his jacket pocket and recorded the audience doing it. So on top of this, he's like the material, the idea of this, this shock collar, then he's recording it. Cause he just, in his mind, he also wanted to have this video of the audience. Yeah. Making that decision. Just being and like, eh. it was and it, <laughs> what kind of sadistic person. <laughs> right? It's uh, but a set like that. If he did that at her in Hermosa, I feel, or a club like that. Not this is not any knock at, at them, but the people that would go there, I think they might would, not get it. They wouldn't get it, but also I think they would be so worried, like worried on uh, his behalf. Super fair. That That's they, probably the correct reaction, right? Actually. They'd be like, "This poor boy, yeah. he's shocking himself." It's like, no, no, this is part of this is what he's doing. This is the act. You have yeah. to get on board. So sometimes those those ideas are not like you need the high stakes of a late yeah. night spy. Yeah. To sort of like get that full reaction of like, oh my gosh, this is this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that it's five minutes. It can't be. It's live on camera mm-hmm. in front of a crowd. They didn't have multiple takes. This is it. That's yeah. that's what's so interesting about those more elaborate those more elaborate ones, like with the the, the you know the, the door and and Scoville kind of things, where it's like you don't get a second shot at that. No. And however it's going to work, it's going to work. And there's variable paths. And it's gonna conclude in five minutes somehow. It's funny you say that though. They they're about second chances. So Doran Scoville's follow up um, to that first double booking when they the did usher. The, the usher replacing and then doing the switch uh, of like Rory coming down on stage and John then being the usher and saying that they could do this job better than the other person. That's the whole premise is like two cocky guys thinking that they're yeah. better at the other person's job. Uh, so we were supposed to do that. I think maybe three weeks earlier and they were actually booked for the show and the show was Mel Brooks, Chris and Shaw and the two of them. Now what happened was, is that uh, Mel was killing. It went so long since Mel Brooks, you want Mel Brooks out there yeah. yeah, that we were running low on time. And so during the break, 
they called me out to the stage and they said that we're, you know, if we do John and Rory, it's going to have to be in three minutes. <laughs> so I, was, I said, obviously, oh, there's no yeah. way this can happen. But I was a little bit disappointed and I was like really bummed. And I was walking back to the green room to tell them and like deliver this horrible news. And as I'm telling them, they were so relieved because they hadn't figured out like how to really end it. Like they weren't confident in how it was going to end, and they actually said, like, "That's fine. We need some more time." Yeah. And so they came back, and then they the final was that they're adding uh, Sarah uh, to the guest. Like they were actually that was taking, perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was watching that. You're like, how do you end this? Because yeah. it just keeps escalating. It has to have something to kind of anchor it. And we were we were just watching that bit, and it's like that's stand up. I get to do thousands of times. So even things that look spontaneous are very well planned, like mm-hmm. the Cosby response. You, you have things. There's so many things that happen over and over again that you can actually look like you're handling it spontaneously and you're not. To do a two-man bit like that, you don't get to run it more than ten times. Yeah. You, you maybe get to yeah. get a meltdown and try maybe. it out. Maybe. So I was always wondering how they worked out the beats of it. That was – I mean, we, we, we'd walk through it in rehearsal. Uh, usually we do a sound check, as you know. You come on, mm-hmm. you just check the mic, maybe do a couple lines – but you're never doing the full act out. But for them, each time they actually did have to walk through it because right. the band needed to know when to play because uh, the band had some musical cues to like when they would play uh, the guest on because John and also Rory take over the stage, you take over the take over the set, and Conan's in the audience holding, <laughs> holding, yeah. holding the the, uh, the audience member, and uh, and then then you then you get Andy who's pretending to be a stand up comic. Right. So it's like there were so many things in <laughs> the cameras and the director. So that actually there was a lot of like directing that was going on from our director of like when yeah. to hit things. So a lot of marks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, you yeah, probably have to adjust the the camera height for Conan, who's yeah. just so much taller than everyone else. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you want to? I mean, maybe just to like finish up. What are you uh, excited about that you're working on right now? I mean, like, yeah, how's, obviously how's life you've got, post daily shows? Yeah, like I'm sure just the the grind probably has changed at least. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cer- it it certainly has. I mean, the nice thing is that we were, we were able to finish the show remotely, uh, and then in Largo, uh, which was great. But that now it's sort of transitioned. We've got uh, we're shooting specials for HBO Max. Yeah, uh, great. Thank you, thank you. It's been it's been it's been, been awesome. A really, really Most a lot of fun. Wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. Just that would that's a, a masterpiece. That's a work he, of art. <laughs> that that was all. I mean, that's something that was in his head for so long. Like it was like he envisioned it. He knew how he wanted to do it. Um, and he led the charge on you know writing, the lighting of it, the you know the stage. He had built that stage like a miniature version, like a little diorama of the stage of the trash around it. Yeah. Back in 2019, when he showed me, he was like, "This is this is what I'm envisioning," and yeah. that pretty much was what ended up on on air. So that was that That's was quite cool. a feat for him to accomplish. And then um, talk about, by the way, uh, the short and long distance runner, because that guy had a unbelievable Conan. His Conan debut was incredibly successful. He's had short Comedy Central sets that were amazing, and he can also piece together an hour that has that same beautiful structure mm-hmm. that keeps you watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely kept. I'm I, and I know I know what to do with five minutes. I don't know what to do with sixty. So I'm very impressed that That's he's not true. But both but I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He had a, he had he had quite a story to tell. Uh, so yeah, getting that sort of that runway to do the full hour mm-hmm. uh, was really impressive. And and we, the only one we had shot before the pandemic was Best Stellings. We did that March seventh, I think, of twenty twenty in Minneapolis. Uh, She's so great. And that was so much fun to do. And uh, but then all of a sudden everything shut down, and so. Moses was delayed. Chris Red were doing this summer. 
um, in St. Louis, which I am just so excited about that because it's been so long. Also, the nice thing is that he's the story has changed. The set, what's gonna what's gonna be on the air? I'm so much happier about because I feel like he's grown so much, mm-hmm. um, and I can't wait to see uh, see him again uh, run run the, run the show. So we'll, we'll shoot that, and then we've got a, uh, like two more shows we're doing for HBO Max. Uh, hopefully later this year. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. That's so cool. And is it? Easier, you get to relax more, you, you sleep better. <laughs> uh, well, it, you, you relax more, but then I mean, you know, kids. It's a little yeah, personal yeah. life, which is which is which is great, but also just uh, yeah. There's before the pandemic was there it was a little bit <laughs> easier yeah. to do the Daily Show. I don't know how I would do that now. <laughs> uh, and any advice you have to young comics listening? Uh gosh. Uh, I mean, I I think what I've always tried to like i've tried to try to champion also like i hope that it still still feels uh that it's it's good advice is to like number one be yourself and be have confidence in whether it's your story whether it's your your perspective uh i mean yeah it takes a while to find your voice and i think for a while people will try and put you in a category and say you're you're a younger version of this or but don't let that steer you into what you want to become i think if you have a vision for yourself keep going after that because the best thing about stand up is that it's getting broader and i think it's getting more diverse and i feel like there are more i mean you're you were telling me your story before about about how to convey your this, the background of being a swimmer Right, and I think that is something that when you find it, right, it could be really fantastic. Yeah, it's an interesting story, but it's but one that requires some explanation. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the more interesting bits. The ones that are, I mean, a joke that's easy to write is never that rewarding of a joke. The mm-hmm. one you really have to struggle to find the angles on it. Yeah, it pays off more in the long run. Yeah, yeah the high wire acts are the ones like where you Wait do accomplish it and pull it off, and you stick that landing. Um, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, those are the ones I love, and I love like. Uh, like Mohanan El Sheiki had a great set on our show, 2018, I think, and he was you know talking about how the United States, like how he wants to talk to the manager. He got the U.S. and it's not what <laughs> he hoped it would be. And I think he's coming with this perspective. Like a lot of times, I would find Americans would online get very mad at international comics judging, yeah, the U.S. Uh, but you know, sometimes you, you need to. Hear yeah, that. yeah, yeah. John Oliver and Trevor Noah do a mm-hmm. great job with they it. They sure do. A lot of these comics. I mean, I would be dumb if I didn't book them. Uh, like I would have been like, if I didn't hand, hand booked you, it was like, yeah, it's ninety nine percent of the time. I felt they could have gotten any. They should have been on any late night show. A couple oh. times, maybe I, you know, took a swing and. But hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> worked out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. JP. This any, was so interesting. Any place people can yeah, check you out, or you got private accounts? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't post much. But, uh, right. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, tune into HBO. Yeah, watch, watch this. Watch the specials. Watch the specials on HBO, and then all the links we'll we'll post with this. Thank you so much. This Thanks, was guys. so fun. Yeah, thank no, you for coming on. To. Yeah, I really, really appreciate, appreciate it. it. All right.